So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Who Talks First. I am your, well, host, CT, and today, uh, Solo was gone, so I needed a co-host because some big news dropped today, so... If everyone can welcome back. Hi, it's Kirsty again from Scavengers Horde. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. <laughs> I'm just stealing you away from Rachel. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh no, I am happy to be stolen. <laughs> There's so much going on that I'm like, yeah, let's just keep talking about it. So Yeah, and Solo's gone this week and I just, I needed somebody to talk to. And I thought about doing it by myself and I'm not very good at words. So you're very good at words. I think... <laughs> Oh, thank you. I think I would struggle with a solo podcast as well. Like, just talking to yourself, you would mm-hmm. inevitably ramble, right? So, Yeah, no, I, I started, like, writing down notes to try to do it by myself, but it was pretty awful. <laughs> I'm like, right, yeah, no, I'm just going to see if someone wants to record with me again. So, anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, the big news that dropped today, and is actually what we kind of talked about, or is what we talked about last podcast is that J.J. Abrams has been officially brought on as the writer-slash-director of Episode 9. First reactions, go. I am happy with this choice. Same. Uh, (laughs) I was hoping for Ryan. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know why, so... I I don't know why, because like you said, we haven't seen The Last Jedi. So <laughs> it's kind of all going on what we hope for and what he's been saying, which does seem very promising. Um, but, but I love The Force Awakens. So, yeah, I, I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I absolutely love TFA. Well, like, When I first saw the news, it was tweeted to me like a hundred times without the context of who was chosen. So people were like, oh, right. I'm okay. so disappointed. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, no. Like, who did they bring in and then when I saw it was JJ I was like this is I mean Ryan was my first choice like we agree there and but I'm like JJ was easily in my top three he was probably my Mm. second choice to be honest I just didn't really think it was possible for him yeah I hadn't considered it because he's said in the past that he's done with reboots so mm. I just hadn't even thought about it as a serious option but like you, I was thinking in the back of my mind, oh, it would have been pretty cool if JJ would come back. Like I said before, I absolutely loved The Force Awakens. I saw it eight times in theaters. So I clearly <laughs> liked what he did and brought to the table. Like my own like resurgence of Star Wars love is due to TFA and the characters that he brought to life. Admittedly, one of my biggest fears about the sequel trilogy is that they would lack continuity with each other and I know a lot of plot gate was out of context but it still worried me so knowing that (laughs) we're having somebody who's been there the whole time like since day one for me right now is super comforting and I think I'll be able to sleep for a little bit at least yeah I know I know how you feel because we know now that JJ and Ryan work pretty closely in the handoff so presumably that's going to work the same way again. Um, and yeah, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of The Force Awakens. Like you, it got me back into the fandom. Um, mm-hmm. I've always loved Star Wars, but I'd kind of just stepped away from it for a few years because yeah. I assumed that we weren't going to get any more of it. Um, I know it's not a perfect movie, and I know that there are fans who don't like it, but it's important to me, and I think he did a really great job. And there were certain things that he kind of just had to 
appease. Mm-hmm. Like, however we might personally feel about the prequels, for the general audience, they're not considered great movies. So I've seen a lot of people kind of, oh, great, we can look forward to more emphasis on practical effects and everything. But I think a lot of that was just kind of out of necessity for the the promotion leading up to The Force Awakens because they really did have to distinguish it from the prequels and kind of revert back to the original trilogy emphasis. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of like, oh, yeah, it's not like those films. It's like the old ones. You know, you'll get that old Star Wars feeling back, which, yeah, can be a bit eye-roll-inducing, but I don't think it'll be the same thing this way around. I, I think he's going to have to push the boat out a little bit more. So Yeah, I totally agree. I think, like, there's a lot of complaints I shouldn't say a lot. I mean, The Force Awakens is very highly rated. I mean, Star Wars... No one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. It's true. It's true, though. And, (laughs) like, one of the biggest complaints was Starkiller Base. But at a certain point, you're you're like, okay, what's bigger and badder than the Death Star? (laughs) Like, it's really hard to one-up that one. And I think the whole... I mean, I could be making this up entirely and I've kind of talked about this before but the first order is kind of like from what we know are all these youngish uh new kids and they just kind of idealize the empire and Mm -hmm. so they don't really realize where the faults in the empire were because they weren't really alive or old enough to realize what was going on and so that's why I think it's so interesting that Kylo we and Kylo we know this is is so against Starkiller and I think that's kind of the point, is because he knew that was, in a way, the downfall of the Empire. But the all the like super hardcore First Order kids are just like, no, this was the most powerful super weapon. And unless JJ brings it back in Episode Nine, I think it's okay to get the the quote unquote Death Star Part Two or Part Three rather out of the way in Episode Seven. Um, Yeah, I didn't have such a huge problem with it because, I mean, I always thought of The Force Awakens as the most character-driven of the Star mm -hmm. Wars films, and that was what I really liked about it. So all of the stuff, like the mechanics of it in terms of Starkiller Base and that, that's less interesting to me. That's just kind of backdrop to facilitate other things. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's not how a lot of fans see it. So people are really... like. You know, I'm seeing a lot of um, people saying about The Last Jedi, oh, they're just using AT-ATs again. So it's just like Empire. But that to me is just like peripheral <laughs> um, stuff. It's just not important. And like you say, there is an in-universe explanation that the First Order is about emulating the Empire. Mm-hmm. There's this whole real-world parallel there as well. Um, so it, it makes sense. Um, it's just not great news for people who are more interested in that side of the Star Wars movies, but yeah. we'll see what happens. I mean, all of that stuff is kind of the stuff that they've shown us from The Last Jedi so far, so it's arguable that Ryan doesn't consider that the spoilery stuff, and there'll be stuff that's m- much more exciting and new that they're just not going to reveal yet. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting. This is kind of like off-topic a little bit, because we've learned so much about The Last Jedi. I mean, we don't know super details, I'm already having a hard time, like, how are they going to fit all this in two and a half hours? I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I guess it's when they tell you something, you think that, oh, that's going to be a really big part of the movie. It's like these um, nuns that they're going to have on up too. You'll probably <laughs> see them in, like, half a scene. 
But, probably. Um, They're probably just it, background characters that scoff at Luke. Yeah, but it feels like a big thing when you hear about it for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, Like, and more pros about JJ. Uh, from the beginning, when he was doing TFA, he even said that he had sort of laid out a plot for the entire trilogy. And even though if they didn't necessarily follow it through The Last Jedi, at least we know Kathleen Kennedy didn't hate what J.J. was bringing to the table for the entire trilogy. Yeah, we've had a lot of conflicting quotes from people in terms of how much they've really laid out because there Mm. were probably so many different ideas. Um, I was reading an old interview on Slash Film the other day about um, J.J. was saying that they'd laid out him and Kasdan had laid out stuff for eight and nine. And we don't know how much detail there was there, obviously, but it just goes to show they were always thinking about the future and where things could go. And like we said earlier, he's worked with Ryan. He's read the script. He said he loved it and wished that he was directing it. Um, so I think it's all going to fit together pretty well. Yeah. So and it, it, it seems at that point that JJ was even asked to maybe direct the entire thing. If he was saying he regretted, not epi- not episoding, not directing episode eight. I don't know if that's true or not, but was JJ originally asked to uh, direct the entire um, thing? I don't know if he was formally asked. It might have just been him praising it, you know, like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. it's so amazing. I wish I was doing that. Yeah. Um, but either way, he has, he's aware of what Ryan's doing and he's impressed with it. So yeah. Yeah. I think, it, you know, it's it's going to follow on from that because... Of course, that's what they're doing. They're creating a trilogy. That's that's why that would be a cohesive three-part story. So, mm-hmm. And, like, admittedly, there are some things in the plot that I would like to happen that I feel like need to have been planned early on to come to fruition properly. So I am very pleased we're getting somebody who's been there since day one. Because if they're bringing someone in fresh-faced... I mean, you were talking about this on uh, your podcast uh, this week. Like, Disney's kind of, they're there to please their stockholders. Oh, yeah. They've they've had issues with their past, uh, or three of their standalone directors, or two of their standalone directors, one of their trilogy directors. And so they kind of want to give those people reassurance and not another risk. Yeah, and, definitely. And at that point, J.J. is a secure bet exactly like we can just point to the force awakens and you can see how successful that was so you know for all the particular flaws that an individual might see in it you can't deny that it was successful so i don't know like i i was saying i I was hoping for a more diverse choice as well like i would love to see a woman writing and directing ray Mm-hmm. The the only thing we've had so far is the Forces of Destiny episodes. Um, but Trevorrow was on the project for years, and so was Ryan. Like, it's really not some... It's not, like, a quick thing. You can just bring someone in and quickly get them up to speed. Or at least it doesn't seem that way. Yeah, so, and, really... And part of that big news, the movie did get pushed back uh, to their right. December date, which does not surprise me at all. I'm surprised they even announced a May date. It was clearly going to be pushed back. Yeah, I was expecting that. I was kind of expecting that from the beginning, really, just because mm-hmm. Christmas seems to work so well. Yeah. And, like, on the note, because I've just seen a couple people say, because I do agree, would I love to have seen a female writer um, or director 
or uh, director of color take this position, especially with Ray and Finn as your main characters at the helm? Of course I would, but I have seen quite a few people kind of ignore the power that Kathleen Kennedy and uh, Kiri Hart have, who's the head of story group for people who don't know. And that's mm-hmm. not to say that they shouldn't be diverse in their choices in the future, but I've just seen that no woman is going to touch this story. And I'm like, uh, good old Kathleen Kennedy has made it very clear that if your vision does not match up with hers and you, she does not fuck with that. Yeah, and, and like you say, it's not just Kathleen Kennedy, it's Kiri Hart as well. I see a mm-hmm. lot of misinformation floating around on fandom. Like, a lot of people assume that Pablo Hidalgo is head of the story group, yeah, just no. because he has, obviously, a, a greater visibility. He's quite active with fans on Twitter, but mm-hmm. he's not. And he's he often corrects people and says, I'm not the head of the story group. Please don't think I am. It, it's Kiri. And um, she was... she's been pretty instrumental in forming things like Rogue One as well. So mm-hmm. it's not even... It's not even just the the sequel trilogy. Like these are the people making the important decisions behind the scenes. Um, just because you don't see their face all the time doesn't mean they don't matter. So yes, like you, I would have loved to have a female writer or director, but it is what it is, and we can just keep our fingers crossed for a standalone. Yep. Um, they have to, they have to get there at some point because the criticism is going to keep coming until they do. Honestly, I would be very surprised if they're next standalone is not directed by someone more diverse. I would be very surprised. This this decision does not surprise me just because if if they had announced some new white middle-aged man, I would I would be a little <laughs> bit more angry, but the fact is JJ's been there. He's been closely involved with the last Jedi. This really is prob- probably the best decision they could have made apart from Ryan, which rumor is that they did ask Ryan, but he turned it down sadly. Yeah, I don't I've know heard if that's that. True, but yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know. I've heard that from a lot of people today, but I don't know how they know it. Did you read an article somewhere? Or? Yeah, it's on. Deadline. Deadline. Oh, deadline. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'll have to go and check it out. Um, I yeah, I haven't really had much time to stop and process everything. Um, I just think it's. Interesting, I guess the hot take at the moment would be that, oh, we know that JJ is great at starting stories because we saw that with The Force Awakens and obviously Lost is a, an example that people trot out a lot, that he mm-hmm. wrote the pilot episode and directed it and everything and then just kind of left people to deal with it and <laughs> Lost is notoriously, they were kind of making it up as they went along. Yeah. But I really, I really just can't see that happening with a trilogy. Like Kathleen Kennedy has said things like, the you know there are certain themes that will become evident over the course of the trilogy so yes mm. they might not have had specific plot points but there has to be something they're trying to say i agree and i think if there really wasn't maybe like jack thorne or colin trevorrow may have lasted a little bit longer but who knows how all that inner workings was going because it is interesting that uh even though Jack Thorne was never officially confirmed by Lucasfilm, was he? No, he, he wasn't. There, I think there was a, the Hollywood Reporter article, and then that was it. No one officially commented on it. Yeah. So, But it, it looks like he is also gone with Trevorrow, if he was ever truly on board with it. Um, oh, and I'm so bad. I should have looked this up. The co-writer. Do you remember the name? 
Oh, it's Chris Terrier. Oh, right. So he he's done a lot of the DC films. I I know him from Argo. I haven't seen any of these Batman versus Superman Justice League things. Um, I hear that they aren't great. <laughs> but didn't like, Argo, uh, but win Argo win the Oscar? Yes. Yeah, he won the Oscar for the screenplay. So that's reassuring. I I just heard bad things about Batman versus Superman. But honestly, how I kind of picture this dynamic is JJ coming up with, like, the story. Chris kind of just putting it down on paper. Um, because I'm sure JJ is just going to be super busy. And I'm sure just since, given his involvement, he's the one really coming up with the basis for the story. And right. now we know Kathleen Kennedy has no problem, like, putting her foot down. And it seems like... JJ is really willing to work with Lucasfilm, and while other directors might not have been, so I have faith in this in this decision. Yeah, me too. I had wondered if Lawrence Kasdan would get involved again, but I think he said before that Han Solo is going to be his last Star Wars project, really? and obviously we know that that hasn't gone smoothly. Yeah, I mean he's he can always change his mind. Obviously JJ has as well. Um, so who knows? He could be brought on as a consultant or something like that. I, I would yeah. really love to hear that because, um, I mean, he played a big part in the Kylo and Han dynamic, mm-hmm. um, which I really loved from The Force Awakens. So. Same here. And, like, I hope, I kind of hope, like, Ryan becomes a consultant later on. Like, understandably, he just doesn't want to think about anything besides episode eight right now. And that's what he even said in his interview in Japan. And he's just like, I'm here for eight. That's all I'm thinking about right now. But I kind of hope he comes on as a consultant later. Yeah, I mean, he might be doing that in an unofficial capacity as well. Yeah. It's just like you say, right now he's literally just coming towards the end. I think he said he had a few few days to get back to LA and finish up. And then they're into promotion and full swing. So he probably doesn't have an awful lot of time to think about it. But if they're wanting his input on stuff, he's probably happy to contribute. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there there are some reservations about J.J., and we kind of brought this up before, that uh, J.J. has a, a pretty good track record of uh, establishing stories, but not so much of finishing them. Um, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but the films feel de- very different kind of Star Trek for me, so I kind of compartmentalize them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people have you know, strong criticisms of them and I can kind of see their point. Um, but I think that JJ is just more of a star Wars person anyway, because it is more of the fantasy fairy tale kind of thing as opposed to sci-fi. Yeah. JJ seems to be about characters to be honest. And, uh, especially with star Wars, he basically got to bring all new characters, uh, up to the plate. Of course there are the legacy characters, but his new characters that he brought up, I mean, I've honestly, it's been a very, very long time since I've connected to characters like this. So I think he's, you think, I think he's done a really good job. And it'll be really nice to not really have any what ifs about this story. Because in, uh, when Ryan was first announced as the director for Eight, I was really worried because I loved The Force Awakens. And I kind of wanted, and I kind of wanted JJ to do the whole thing, and mm. like 
I, I didn't wasn't that familiar with his work and people were telling me they're like, no, JJ is really good at setting things up. He's not great at the follow through. This is good. I'm like, okay, okay. And then everything Ryan has said, haven't even seen The Last Jedi, but I've just adored everything he's said. Who knows? I could be eating my socks in three, <laughs> three and a half months. But I don't know. I mean, I think everyone has decided that JJ is not great with the follow up, but it's just mm-hmm. that he usually isn't in that circumstance, if you see what I mean. Usually yeah. he is setting things up and he does that well, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a strong idea of where things can go. Mm-hmm. And I, like you say, I'm really interested now because we're going to have what the original directorial intent was, you know? So yes. we still have Kathleen Kennedy ruling the roost. And then we have JJ, which sure we don't have Canston, but it's close enough. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the fruition of what they set up. Um, and I just think that's really great because we have had this kind of uncertainty with the whole, oh, they didn't really have everything laid out, but now they have the same people on it. I know with Trevorrow, there was this concern that he was just going to take it off in this direction that wouldn't feel true to Star Wars, all these characters. And I mean, JJ created Ray, Finn, Kylo, Poe. So he's going to do right by them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, yeah, this is... Th- I'm excited about this. I do see where people are upset over the lack of diversity. But again, given the circumstances, he he's in a new. He's in a newcomer. He's already been with this franchise the entire way through. This is pretty late in pre-production and they're going to have to exactly reset on a lot of stuff right even with pushing it back to december they don't have an awful lot of time um, compare it to how much time ryan had with episode eight and i know that jj was rushed on the force awakens as well um so yeah even then even that with that extra six months they have to get going with it but mm-hmm. i guess we don't know how how long he's been working on it already I mean, he might have already done a decent amount of work. We don't don't know. And I'm sure he's been thinking about it. So even if he hasn't done that much, like, physical work, I'm sure the process will probably go much quicker than than if they had to bring somebody else totally up to speed. Yeah, exactly. You know, the big thing that I'm happy about for you guys is that he's probably going to bring back the Knights of Ren. That's what I'm so (laughs) excited about! I think that's like our most liked tweet ever is me being like, guys, our podcast name might have a purpose if JJ comes back. I'm told all my reservations are gone. The Knights of Ren might actually be characters. Because what was it he said that he'd love to do like a spinoff of them yeah, or something? To do like a solo film about them. Yeah, that now that they can, they can just be in a movie. It can be like they can do a flashback to kylo like just after he fell or something and it'll be like yeah. oh him and his pals the knights of Ren, remember them from yeah, the yeah. force awakens because <laughs> yeah the, the more and more we hear it sounds like the people we originally thought were the knights of ren are just going to be the praetorian guards which... i think so unless they just turn up in the final trailer whenever we get that um it'll be weird if we haven't heard or seen a peep of them and then yeah. suddenly they're there yeah especially because the praetorian guards are everywhere in marketing yeah exactly and yeah we didn't really we didn't get any of the knights of ren merchandise for the force awakens right Mm -mm. and uh pablo actually really recently said 
that was because they were added pretty late in production. I secretly hope that JJ's going to bring those knights back. We can get floofy-haired Kylo back. I mean, guys, what are you complaining about? We can get floofy-haired Kylo, the the Knights of Ren. I almost said Rant again. Yeah, I'm feeling good about it right now. Mm-hmm. What were we talking about, like, earlier today? Was it just, mm-hmm. like, stupid drama that Tumblr brings up? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, that's just Tumblr, isn't it? There's always these misconceptions and rumors flying around about what directors have supposedly said and what they like and what they don't and I don't know I take everything with a huge grain of salt yeah it's it's really upsetting because uh like admittedly we both like the Raylo dynamic and nothing that's like officially came out is like an official source saying they hate it he doesn't understand it but for some reason it's become a huge thing on Tumblr today that are like, JJ doesn't understand Raylo. I'm like, where where did he get that from? And also yeah. that like Kathleen Kennedy didn't want to cast John Boyega. Like, where where did you get this information? Yeah, I think there's been this notion that Kathleen Kennedy didn't like John Boyega because he was asked to audition like something like nine times before they finally decided on him. Mm-hmm. But I think they had quite a few people in mind for the role. And um, I think you said that Daisy had to audition quite a lot, right? Oh, yeah. I think she mentioned at least six times. And then that's when she f- found out when she had the part. And she still had audi- like fake auditions past that. where she, that It was like chemistry test. But she already knew she had the part. So they were testing right. like pro- Finn different fins with her right yeah i mean they were both newcomers so Mm -hmm. they have to make sure they get it right and they struck gold with both of them so absolutely whatever reservations anyone might have had i'm sure they've gone out the window because it was so successful they've been a huge hit with the fan base yeah so you have i'm not sure like the biggest franchise in the world and you know you want new faces and JJ said that going into it, he's like, "We want, we want new people um, for these roles. They're they're gonna audition thousands of people, so I'm surprised it was only it was less than ten auditions because yeah. to go from thousands to one, that's real. That's really hard to do. You're gonna find a lot of really good people. Exactly. And regarding the JJ stuff." Um, I think it's probably just a reaction to Ryan's recent comments and people Mm -hmm. are getting a bit scared about episode eight. Um, Slash film podcast was saying today that they know people who've seen it and have told them that it's divisive, that it's going to be controversial for lots of fans. So it's not going to go the way everyone expects it to. And it's funny because the actors and the director have been saying things like this for quite some time. And, and maybe because it's promotional, people don't really take it too seriously. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's going to be bigger and better or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they are kind of preparing people for something huge. Um, I don't think that Ryan's played played it safe. So whatever it is, um, it's going to create some waves. Yeah. And, yeah, I think people are starting to maybe catch on to that, especially with Ryan talking about Kylo in the way that he does. And are maybe thinking, well, at least we'll have JJ and... And then kind of just 
falsely attributing things to him that he's never said. So. Oh, it's it's so strange what people are just kind of attributing to JJ when he's never said anything of the sort. And in fact, everything we can track down and have like actual recordings of him saying implies quite the opposite. So it's Yeah, we have an entire commentary of him talking about The Force Awakens as it was rolling. So if people want to cite him talking about it, that's that's the place to go. And you see all this made up things get so much attention and when you try to point out like these are things he actually said, that just goes under the radar. People just kind of agree with what they want to hear. Yeah. I'm kind of petty about it because it, it just kind of makes me look forward to the fandom fallout afterwards. <laughs> it's going to be really fun slash horrifying. Yeah. It's going to be like that moment of uh, Donald Glover walking in with the pizza boxes and everything's on fire. <laughs> oh my God, that's going to yeah. be the fandom because they have to do that, right? I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. that's what it was like after Empire. You have to drop this kind of bomb. And it doesn't have to be a, I, you know, I'm your father. Um, I hope they don't go in something yeah. so obviously predictable. Um, but there's going to be have there's going to have to be something that it that's that's what storytelling does, right? There's going to have to be a middle section that makes you question everything that came before. So I absolutely agree, and I mean, you mentioned this before with uh, uh, Ryan kind of like taking big risks and. That was just, like, another reservation people had about J.J., that he plays things too safe. And I think when they say that, they're really only talking about Starkiller. And I'm like, did you forget that J.J. killed Han Solo and didn't have Luke in the movie at all with any lines besides the last, like, two minutes? I think he took some really big risks yeah, and there's obvious visual parallels to A New Hope, right? Like, you have mm-hmm. Ray living in the desert, um, dreaming of a better life, which are all kind of basic tropey things. So it's just a yeah. framework. Um, like, aside but, from some tropes... Yeah, and, he took like, it to an interesting Star Wars place. movie started off on some desert planet. So I can see why they wanted to kind of do that again. But when it comes down to, like, the big, like, plot twists. Killing Han Solo is a huge risk. Yeah, not just killing him, having his son kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? For me, the most interesting uh, villain Star Wars has ever had. Yeah, I strongly agree. And you can see that playing out in the fandom as well. If you look at what people are most divided on regarding the sequel trilogy, it's that character and where they think he's going to go. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of hinges on that. It's like, do you think um, Ray's going to be a Skywalker? And do you think uh, Kylo's going to be redeemed? That's the the two big fights. I'm so sick of Yeah, the Ray being Ray a Skywalker thing is interesting. <laughs> I'm so sick yeah. of I've, I've kind of said from the beginning that if she turned out to be a Skywalker, and I don't think she's going to be, but if she did, it wouldn't really change things too much. Um, it would still kind of be what it is at its core already in terms of a coming-of-age story for a young woman turned, you know, transitioning from adolescence and then into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, the core framework is still there. Like, there's still this dynamic with a conflicted villain who is probably going to end up being redeemed in some way or other. And yeah. because she's the heroine, she would be part of that in some way. So it, it would just kind of... Um, 
change the way that they relate to each other exactly. as opposed to anything well, hugely yeah, impactful. Think, like, yeah, I'm with you 100%. I don't think Raisa Skywalker, I don't think her parents are important. Um, I mean, we kind of, like, have our, like, fake ideal is we'd love, or, like, me and Solo would love Rey Kenobi, but we don't actually think that's going to happen. But I think she's a nobody, and they keep on emphasizing that in interviews and for some reason people will take them being like her parents don't matter guys you'll find out and you'll be like oh i don't i'm just sick of it i just want them to come out and answer it (laughs) we're so close to getting the movie now so yeah yeah, i don't think she is either but if she is i guess we'd live with it (laughs) yeah i i could live with it anything else we want to discuss in particular I don't think so. I mean, the JJ stuff's pretty big news, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy, but I also understand some fans' concerns because not everyone loved The Force Awakens as much as we did. Because, like, my first initial reaction was kind of split until I snapped out of it and was like, I saw The Force Awakens eight times in theaters. I loved it. <laughs> Why? And it's just because I've just been loving everything Ryan has been saying in regarding to uh, regarding storytelling and characters but JJ's on this JJ honestly has said a lot of the same things so I just hope we get the story like a well-intended story that had a solid beginning middle and end that seems planned that paid attention to the other parts of the story that was one of my biggest concerns, so I can I can put that to rest. Even if I hate where the story ends up, at least I know that's kind of what they were always gonna do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's probably gonna help a lot of the fandom sleep better at night. Mm-hmm. Just that, yeah, it's it's come back to who originally decided you know, who these characters were going to be. Like, this is where he wanted them to end up, so... We shall see. Unless we can <laughs> That's what of... it always comes down to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least... Because, honestly, at this point, I feel like after The Last Jedi, I'm just gonna at least leave Tumblr. Which I'm... I, I love Tumblr for, uh, like, fan art and finding, like, new fan fiction and stuff, but... Honestly, there's only so much BS I can take. It's really hard to, like, curate your experience, isn't it? Because even if you follow people who, you know, have similar ideas to you and they're into it for similar reasons, some of the crap still filters through. Yep. Uh, It's hard not to know what people who drastically disagree with you are saying. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. A lot of blacklisted tags, but it still (laughs) comes through. Yeah, it's the nature of fandom, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I hope I hope this turns out to be the right decision. I think I can relax for a while. This is obviously a thousand times better than Colin. And well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. At this point, I'm like, Colin's gone, and JJ's <laughs> there. This is a dream. This is so good. <laughs> Ryan would have been my ideal, yeah. but understandably, he's probably a little burnt out right now. But... Oh, exactly. You know, I know we all wanted him um, to... Um, it sounds like he maybe considered it, but ultimately said no. 
but he's been working non-stop on this for years so he deserves a break yeah he does i just hope he was a little bit of a consultant <laughs> i could really hate the last jedi just every everything that interviews have said about the last jedi have a uh, appeased to what i want the films to be so I mean, that's why I like Ryan so much. And I know there are people who are quite angry at what seems to be his story direction. But every source has appeased me so far. There's been very few things that I've heard that I didn't like. I can't even think of really anything that's No, I mean, either. And, and like you say, everything that Ryan says about the characters and the story itself fits with what we saw in The Force Awakens. It seems like the natural progression in my head. Like mm-hmm. when I had my fanfiction idea of where things might go next, it yeah. kind of corresponds. So I'm pretty happy. Let us know um, what you guys think about all of this, either on Twitter or YouTube or wherever you're watching this. Um, and be sure to check out uh, Kirsty's podcast, Scavenger's Horde. And if you want to plug plug away... Oh, that's it. It's Scavengers Hold. We're on iTunes, um, and you can find me on Twitter as well at Scavengers Hold. But yeah, they're <laughs> they're like a super great podcast and very good at words. We're just kind of like the ranty <laughs> version. It's great. Um, but yeah, definitely go check them out. And thank you again so much uh, for joining me and talking to me while Solo is not here because I just needed to talk about this really badly. So- oh yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, thank you for having me. So yeah, uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Hello and welcome back to Knights of Rand. This is uh, part two of this podcast, of this emergency breaking news. Uh, I'm CT again, and I am joined by our second guest of the day hi i'm peter uh yeah i uh i host uh well i it's been a while since i've hosted it but uh, i host a podcast called uh, zero days without a star wars reference uh we're currently on hiatus because i just had a baby so <laughs> um, everything in my life thank you thank you Every, everything's kind of been on hold uh since the little nugget was born so <laughs> But, uh, but yeah and also you can so. you can we can find uh my work on uh the uh, current iteration of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was a, a writer on that show and uh, currently working on some other stuff that uh, I can't talk about yet, but hopefully we'll be able to Ooh, soon. Not Star exciting. Wars related, fortunately. <laughs> Always hoping that <laughs> it's Star Wars related. One day I want to be able to say, like, I wrote something for Star Wars, but uh, that day has not come yet. But yeah, that's how uh, uh, Peter and I know each other is that we work together on Ninja Turtles. And uh, so, yeah, there was uh, some big news drop today and you kind of found out in a whirlwind of a way that you uh tell your story yeah so i have mostly been off the internet like basically my my internet time is like at two in the morning when mm-hmm. i'm like with the baby and then putting him down and you know feeding him and trying to take a nap and then i'll like check twitter so like i was trying you know like doing twitter last night and then and then i think actually no i think i saw it last night i i i i did see that uh colin trevorrow had had left but then it was like quote unquote colin trevorrow left and jj and then J.J. <laughs> Abrams is now like the director of episode nine. I'm like, well, that was 
sudden, <laughs> but not unexpected. Yeah, a part um, of me is surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. I just kind of thought that Lucasfilm and JJ had a bad relationship for some reason. I'm not sure where or why I thought that necessarily. Maybe it was from like Twitter, but probably was... from Twitter or Tumblr because fans are weird and just spread weird rumors. Oh my god! Uh, so yeah, I I, um, I I think I remember hearing that too. But then I knowing people that I know that have worked at Lucasfilm were like, "Oh no, everything's cool." It's so. Um, yeah, but how but, how do you feel about this news face value? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, I I think my I think my first reaction was like, oh, "I'm bummed that Ryan Johnson isn't." you know continuing yeah, on that's most everyone uh even though yeah even though because we haven't seen the last jedi yet but i'm super excited for it and i'm just a huge fan of his i like i've loved his work since i saw brick which was like 10 years ago however long it was that it came yeah. out um but i love brick i love looper i love all of his like television directing work uh and i've loved everything that he's had to say about the movie, mm-hmm. how he wants to like handle the characters and how he's trying to handle the tone and all that stuff. So I'm, I've been pretty excited by it. Um, and I, and again, this is another piece of like super old news, but I think when I, I thought that he was writing episode nine already, or he had written a treat. Maybe when he wrote episode eight, he wrote a treatment for episode nine, yeah, like way, a, way back in the day. Like a, it was old information or false information, but Ryan recently said something that implied that it was just old. So Ryan was initially writing a treatment for nine. Right. Yeah. I think that was like way, way, way back when he was hired to write eight. It was like, he, I, I just heard that he had also written a treatment for nine. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I think I just, I just didn't hear any more about other than like when they hired Colin Trevorrow, I was like, Oh, I'm just assuming that. And I think this is why like the entire time I was like, not crazy about Colin Trevorrow, but I was like, I'm okay with it as long as Ryan Johnson's Ryan still writing the, the script. Yeah. You know, and I, but then, but then it was like, oh no, someone else is writing the script. I'm like, wait, all right, now I don't understand what's happening. Same. So no, uh, I, I have been just behind on all the news. Yeah. So a little while back, Ryan did say that he was no longer writing like the treatment and everyone was like, uh, hmm. No, we would, we would very much like for you to write the treatment, please. And then uh, this whole debacle happened, and I could not be... I I do not like... I, Admittedly, there are some things that Colin Trevorrow has said about how he approaches characters that I didn't mind. That I'm like, okay, I like this. But in execution, he hasn't really executed anything that I've liked so I can't really trust for him to make great decisions. Yeah, like I, I, I did see Safety Not Guaranteed, which I, I think I, I, I enjoyed it. Actually, at this point, I'm like, I'm like, I remember enjoying it. I don't remember too much about it. I remember it, it getting kind of weird, mm-hmm. um, and in, in, but it weird in kind of an indie way. Where I'm like, okay, this could be kind of cool, um, but. Yeah, when when after I saw Jurassic World, I was like, well, he's not great at 
like all of the story stuff in that movie, but he was like this best stuff in that movie was just the act three. Mm-hmm. And I, I think initially when he was announced as episode nine director, I'm like, all right, not, I'm not crazy. I like, I'm not like a big fan of his work, but I could kind of accept, accept it. Cause I'm like, well, it's basically going to be like the act three. So it's, it's like, if we're talking like big bombastic kind of return of the Jedi, style like we're tying everything together and there's going to be a big crowd pleasing action like finale uh i'm like well that's what worked in jurassic world for me like the Mm -hmm. finale was basically the only thing that worked for me which was like the t-rex versus the raptors stuff but like none of the characters (laughs) but 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 the problem was like none of the character stuff worked for me in that movie so i'm like and especially with star wars yeah character stuff is so important yeah, exactly. And I'm like, can he handle and he could handle character stuff in uh, safety not guaranteed. But again, that's like a like a weird indie sci fi movie. Mm-hmm. And I, like I was thinking, like, can he could he really handle like character stuff in like a big like a big budget, you know, kind of epic movie. Um, and then there was like other stuff that just kind of came out about him and his latest movie, which I did not see. Um, and it seemed like there had been some tension going on behind the scenes. So, uh, I was not surprised when they dropped him, um, and slightly relieved because I'm like, oh, well maybe they'll bring on, you know, another director and maybe it'll be Ryan Johnson or maybe it'll be like, I think the, the rumor was going about that Ava DuVernay would do it, which I'm like, that would be amazing. She was in my top three too. It was like Ryan, Ava, JJ were my top choices yeah uh and then you know it's funny because i i was when i saw the news like i was initially surprised that jj was doing it but then i was like no it makes sense because i know that when um i think there was the story i think it was the interview with jj when uh um when ryan johnson turned in the script for um episode eight so basically, I think it was it was an interview that like JJ gave like after the Force Awakens came out, basically saying that he um, had you know I think they had they had asked him to stay on, but he turned it down because you know he was just too exhausted after making the movie, which mm-hmm. I'm like that totally makes sense. But then when he read Ryan Johnson's script for Episode Eight, he was to- like immediately regretted that decision because he's like, I want to make this movie. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, well, that makes sense if that's why he's coming back because he does want to finish the story. So that's great. And I and I'm disappointed that Ryan Johnson isn't continuing on. But again, I understand his reasons because he just made this giant movie and he probably needs a break. He's probably exhausted. Yeah. And he's probably exhausted and they probably need him to start working on it before like post is actually done with uh, uh, the last year that. Uh, they're done with The Last Jedi in, like, a two days. I think Ryan Johnson, like, a few days ago said, like, I'm done with the movie this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And Which is so great. I was like... really hoping, but understandably, he wants to take a break. I'm just happy that I'm not... that this story is going to have continuity, hopefully. Because, I mean, we all know J.J. loves his mystery boxes, and he set up so many Fox. in TFA. So I'm glad that... Because if it is true that Lucasfilm doesn't necessarily uh, 
give the director slash writers any, like, you have to follow this plot A, plot B, plot C kind of thing. I was so worried that these mystery boxes wouldn't be answered. So it's going to be nice that hopefully JJ will be able to answer them. Yeah, I mean, and obviously he knows what he was starting you know i mean i think i I said this online too and we were talking about is is the thing that i loved about like about jj and thing that i loved about tfa is that it was like a great pilot like Mm -hmm. he's really good at making pilots like i mean the like all the pilots to his show are some like the best pilots i've ever seen like the first episode of alias is amazing the first episode of lost is, is amazing it he just kind of has trouble on the follow through yeah. where kind of like my big problem with Star Trek was like the like most of that movie was amazing. And I, I mean, and, um, the movie as a whole was great. Like, actually, I, I, overall, I love that first movie. Like my only problem was and this was my, kind of my one problem with TFA, which was the whole like red matter black hole thing, mm-hmm. which also was like very and my problem with with Starkiller Base was not just that it was another super weapon, but it, like it felt very similar to the whole like like red matter black hole weapon thing from Star Trek. I'm like, it seems like the exact same plot device, yeah. not from <laughs> A New Hope, but, but from Star Trek. And the way he resolved it was like very easy and convenient for such like a giant thing. And mm-hmm. that was kind of my problem with Starkiller Base, which was everything else about the movie I thought was amazing, but I'm like, you kind of didn't need it. Like it was just like the the act three threat that they needed to get around. You're actually like I've never really thought about like, like that like before. Least... But you don't. <laughs> you yeah. Don't... I mean you you could you could you could take that movie and just like take out the Starkiller base like as a plot device and just say they needed to rescue Ray from Starkiller base. Mm-hmm. Like n- almost nothing in that movie changes. Like it really all it does is add like extra tension to oh my god they're going to destroy the resistance base at the end that's kind of like it just adds like that little extra bit which i'm sure like i feel like they could have come up with like a better thing and i know there's the whole like they needed to do the the big 9-11 event like attack Mm -hmm. with like the first order attacking the republic and stuff like that which was like that's that was a necessary plot device but again like he created a you know he he created a problem that was too big to solve. Yeah. And it was like, the, that was the problem with like the red matter. I'm like, Oh God, what are we going to do with this red matter in star Trek? And they just kind of like, Oh, well they're just going to ignite it and it's going to cause a black hole. And then it'll suck away the bad guy. And then that's the end. You're like, well that would have like, if one, a drop of that created a black hole that sucked in an entire planet, then like all of that red matter would probably like take out half the galaxy. So I don't really <laughs> understand how the physics work in this universe now. Um, and yeah, and like the same thing with Starkiller Base, like, okay, that was like a a huge thing and it kind of got, you know, it made sense how it was destroyed because you're like, well, it basically destroyed itself. Yeah. But (laughs) because it was basically a machine that was like so powerful that it couldn't contain its own energy and that, Mm -hmm. and they were able to just like to destroy the thing that was like containing it and then it destroyed itself, but it was still kind of like, well, that's a little convenient and a little i mean that was that's the part where the criticisms of oh it was a little too much like a new hope i i kind of agree with but for the most part i don't agree with most of the comparisons to a new hope so yeah it's um, really difficult but that's because with like the threat what i can understand not knowing how to like 
one-up the Death Star, besides a Death Star that blows up more planets. Uh, I'm sure there is a way that they could have done it a little bit differently, and I'm sure they're going to. I'm sure... Because I was kind of talking about this uh, before in, like, the part one of this podcast, but I'll talk about it a little bit here. Um, it's They can work around it th- that, like, people sometimes, like, toss off as laziness. They can work around it as a bunch of... I mean, m- most people in the First Order are fairly young, besides Snoke, and so they don't really know what the Empire was. So it's a bunch of these kids who idealized the Empire... And don't really realize that the Death Star was kind of where the Empire started to break. Like, it rallied people instead of making them cower and obey them. And that's why it makes it really interesting that Kylo was so against it. Because he would know that. He would know that the Death Star or making another one would be a bad idea for them. It would just cause yeah, to but but also them. like it, thematically, it made it totally makes sense, you know, because yeah. It's like yeah, it makes sense that they that they would do this, and also like the thing that I do like about the Starkiller base sequence, I mean, to me, like Hux's speech just kind of like encapsulated everything I needed to know about the First Order. It's like, but like that, like that's that's what it is. Like here's here's like this young guy that idealizes the tyranny of the Empire because he because of like he thinks that it brings order and that's a good thing, mm-hmm. and he doesn't he is just destroying the Republic to make a point that, oh, you're too weak to defend against us, so therefore you're too weak to survive. And it's like, well, wait, like, you're just basically causing chaos now in, in, but you're really trying, I mean, what I'm trying to say is he's, they're trying to, you know, create order, but they're causing chaos to do it. Mm -hmm. And like, well, that, that's like a great, that's a great point that I think that the the movie was trying to make with, with that character. And I'm like, I, I, I like kind of like, I mean, I hate him, but I like, but I like his performance. I like what they're doing he, with. The, he did a good job. I <laughs> oh, hate yeah. Hux, uh, but. Oh yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, to be clear, like, I hate that character, but I kind of like love like that at the way he's written and like mm-hmm. his performance. Because <laughs> I, I do kind of like so, seeing characters who are in it because they, he like honestly thinks that they're bringing order to places, and obviously he wants power to. And seeing Starkiller Base work kind of gets him off in a weird way, but yeah, <laughs> it's well. It, I, it's I mean, I liked it because he he was like a like an interesting to make the the comparison to a No Hope. He was an interesting counterpoint to Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if it, you know, if you want to like make the comparison, like, oh, like Kylo Ren is trying to be Darth Vader, Hux is trying to be Tarkin, and they are just not. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't have the same temperament like yeah. and especially after watching rogue one like oh tarkin was like like a cold son of a bitch like he he, he knew what he was doing but he knew not he knew how to not lose his temper yeah and you know pretty much the i mean well vader really couldn't control his temper that well but he could have tied it a little bit <laughs> <laughs> but but, it's, but i think that like that's the difference and i think that like that's an interesting counterpoint like here's this next generation that's that they're trying to be like the empire and they're making things worse, but they're making things great for themselves. Yeah. But yeah. But, but I mean, back to like JJ continuing on, like I'm, I'm glad he's doing it because now he can kind of continue all of the things that he set up in mm-hmm. the first movie. 
and uh, and it's and it's not going to be a situation of like, well, he can't just reboot it again and change everything that that Ryan Johnson did. Like he's they're going to like I would assume that they're kind of working together a little bit because yeah. there is that collaborative environment at Lucasfilm going on right now where it's and like, since, oh, well, this is what you were working on in episode seven. And this is what I did in episode eight. And then you, he just kind of picks up the ball and finishes it. So I, I like that kind of conclusion. And it, I thought about this, too, is it, it's not quite the same thing, but um, in a way, it kind of reminds me of the making of Return of the Jedi. Mm hmm. Where um and, and this is why because uh uh in like Star Wars was like you know that was you know George Lucas all all you know all the way and his team and all that stuff and then in during Empire Strikes Back he stepped away and he was just like the producer yeah. and he you know he came up with the story so he's in on the story meetings but basically it was like it was mostly Lawrence Kasdan writing the script and uh he gave Irving Kirshner kind of free reign to do what he wanted on the Empire Strikes Back. After Empire Strikes Back, like George Lucas didn't direct Return of the Jedi, but he kind of took a little bit more control. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah, I mean, he was much more hands-on on set than he was on the Empire Strikes Back. So, and it was, I mean, it was Richard Markman directed it, but you can definitely see. And one thing about um, uh, I read in the uh, in the making of Return of the Jedi. The, uh, have you read the making of Star Wars books? I feel like we've talked about this. But the um, these are the J.W. Ridsler books that he wrote. Um, and I, they're, they're, I own they're one of them. Based but I'm not sure who wrote it. Um, I mean, there's multiple different ones, yeah, but like so they're like, the, the big one, thick, but... like the big thick coffee table books. Those are I all think right. those are the the Rinsler books. Okay. And so he kind of went into the archives and get all the all the story note, you know, all the story meeting notes and all that stuff. And kind of what happened in Return of the Jedi is like. Richard Markman directed all of the on-set stuff, but George Lucas was also on set a lot. And then once it went into post, basically George Lucas took over. Mm-hmm. So it, it it kind of it's not the same thing, but it does kind of remind me of that with JJ kind of coming back for no, the, it totally the third movie. Whereas yeah. like, okay, he did the first one and then he stepped away, and then another director did his like arty second installment. <laughs> Because yeah. everything we've heard about, like, you know, Last Jedi is like, this is this is the kind of the the nuanced character art piece compared to the first one. And then the third one is going to be the original creator kind of coming back and tying everything together again. Yeah. And, and I, that's, think that's I, be I mean, that's just pretty nice. That's kind of my interpretation of that. So I'm sure I'm sure that's, you know, not a one to one comparison, but I, I kind of like that idea that he's tying everything together. Um, I do wish Ryan Johnson was still writing the script because I just love him as a writer. I do too. I love um, him so much. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I hope we'll Ryan see. is there's at always, least like always, a there's always, consultant. Yeah, I, 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 I hope. Yeah, I hope he consults or gets like a story by credit or you know maybe he does a rewrite on the script late in the game because th- you know there was the you know the initial writer for Force Awakens and. And JJ was directing, but I don't even know that he was supposed to be writing the script. But then he rewrote the the original script with Lawrence Kasdan. So yeah, I'm forgetting who the original writer was, but uh, uh, I remember Kathleen Kennedy say, saying his name. His name wasn't writing quick enough. He, yeah, he wrote Little Miss Sunshine. He wrote Toy Story Three. Yeah. Um, and uh, but again, I, I mean, that was those are situations where 
okay, the like the writer has has taken it this far, and now we're gonna need to go to the next draft, which happens all the time. I mm-hmm. I think one of the things with like the rumor control stuff is. I think people freak out every time there's like a change of writer or director on these projects. And I've kind of, I've I've been around long enough. Like, I I mean, you know, maybe I don't, you know, it's just because I don't care enough or maybe I've just been around the industry long enough where I'm like, this is pretty standard boilerplate for like development. So like really kind of the person who's in charge is, is the producer who's Kathleen Kennedy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, who I have, like, nothing but faith in. Oh, yeah. Until she produces something I hate. And honestly, she's she's not afraid to put her foot down, which I adore. And she does not want to make a bad movie. So even if we were sad to see, like, Lord and Miller go, they obviously had some creative differences and you know this universe like means a lot to Kathleen Kennedy and its integrity does. So she's not afraid, no matter how late in the game, to be like, this isn't working out. And until yeah. and, that and backfires... I, I are, yeah, yeah I, I, exactly. Like, I, 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 I am on board with her. And, and I mean, it would have to backfire big time for me to yeah. be to me to jump the... Because I... You know, there's a lot of things where I'm like, okay, like I'm not going to die on the hill for for JJ, but I'm going to die on the hill for Kathleen Kennedy. Like (laughs) I will, like I will die on that hill. I mean, I I mean, she's she's someone that I've admired since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, she's started as like Spielberg's assistant on I think maybe Close Encounters. I, I I'm not sure if it was Close Encounters or or Raiders, mm-hmm. um, but her first producing credit was E.T. And, and I'm like, that's kind of amazing. And 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 it especially, I mean, the thing that impresses me about that when I think about it from a just a you know filmmaking standpoint is like all of all of Spielberg's other movies were pretty big, and mm-hmm. E.T. when you look at it from a producer standpoint is a small like a low budget character piece. It's yeah. just basically three kids in a room with a puppet alien. And that's <laughs> it. Like that's the movie. And so, she, I mean, and she was able to, like, to, to kind of wrangle like, you know, films. you know, yeah. Like, like Spielberg into doing like this low budget and like getting him exactly what he needed and protecting him from the studio that probably wanted something else. Yeah. <laughs> like they probably wanted close encounters too. And he, he did ET and it totally paid off. A hundred percent. So I, I'm, I have nothing but faith in her and the decisions she's making. And, and I mean, because, you know, obviously she, you know, hired people that she has had to fire. Like that's never a thing that you want to do. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, she knows that looks I, bad, but uh, she knows that looks bad. Like, yeah. And, and I, but and she I, does what she has to do. Yeah, and, and I think if you know, honestly, it it's like a lot of other studios go way too far down the road where they're like, oh, we should have gotten rid of this this director because he's doing a terrible job, but we're kind of like all in at this point, and they keep doubling down. Um, and I think she's made the right decisions to being like, okay, this director isn't working out. I think we you need guys need to step aside. So. Mm-hmm because we're not getting what we needed. And I mean, I think with with Lord and Miller, I love those guys. I mean, I, I've loved, uh, you know, I love the Lego movie. I, I loved uh, 21 Drum Street. I mean, I think they're hilarious. I think 
when I when I think about like their brand of movie, it it does not seem to fit into the Star Wars universe as it stands. Mm-hmm. It, I it, agree. It, it, it's at least with with established characters like Han Solo and Lando Calrissian. I think if that if that was they were doing a kind of screwball comedy with new characters, I would be less apprehensive. But yeah, I, I, I with their style, I, I I again knowing nothing about the production and what's actually happening on set, I think with their style, it it would be very easy to see how they could fall into parodying those characters rather than playing those characters. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I suspect that is a bit of what may have happened. Um, that's, that's totally what yeah, I think happened. Yeah. Again, like I don't, I don't like to speculate too much on stuff that I don't know, but like, that's just my guess. Um, and with, and with Trevor, I think it was just a, you know, situation of like, well, we weren't getting what we wanted and we weren't on the same page and so they kind of cut bait before they got into a situation where they were in production. Yep. Which I'm like, this is, and, and I, th- and I think that like the thing that, that disappointed me about Ryan Johnson, not, not taking it up is I want to believe that they were seeing what he was doing with the last Jedi and being like, this is so great. And we're having such a hard time with episode nine. Yeah. We just want him to do. <laughs> yeah and like the rumor that's, was that's he was I, asked my heart of hearts is what i yeah i i, I saw that I, I wasn't sure if that was confirmed by him or if that was just a rumor that was going around it was just a rumor that uh, was going around but i they seem to love everything ryan's been doing i would be yeah. really surprised if they didn't ask him at all it's you know it's fascinating because i i can't wait for you know, for in, you know, whenever it is in 10 years when they finally release the making of books for these movies. Yeah. So see what's happening it's gonna be behind. So the interesting. It's going to be so interesting because, I mean, obviously there were reshoots on uh, The Force Awakens and mm-hmm. there, there were reshoots on every Star Wars movie since 77, you know. <laughs> um, actually, I think maybe. No, there were. I think the uh, I think even the original, even, even the New Hope had reshoots, I think. Um, but there were, I think they were. They, all the cantina stuff was reshoots um but uh but yeah i mean they've built in reshoots for all these movies to begin with that's just kind of how lucasfilm operates and i think it's a good way to go especially um i mean well you know because we work in animation whereas i think they follow a more of an animation production model than a than a typical live action production model which is they kind of assemble all the pieces in a long you know production and then they get to a certain point and they're like okay here's the assembly what's working what's not you know in animation you basically have like your first pass and you go through a couple animatics you're like okay well we need to like reboard some of this stuff or we need to add some stuff and then they go back and re-add it so i so that's how i think they approach the reshoots there whereas it's it's built in that okay what's they had scripted is not you know necessarily the bible yeah. <laughs> And I think that's and I think that's frustrating to a lot of people, like especially like hardcore fans who want to believe like, okay, well there is this there is this Bible that has been written down for Star Wars and that they're following that beat for beat up until the end. And like that's just kind of not how like film and television goes. Like you need to be able to change things as you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing that pains me the most is Carrie Fisher. Like I don't know how that's going to be handled. And, and uh, uh, you've talked about this before, uh, yeah. just with, I like, I 
I quote this all the time. You, you're the one who even said this. You're like, no matter what, episode nine isn't going to be what it was supposed to be. It's not a big hole. It's going to be in that story, no matter what. Yeah, and and I and I think especially probably early on why they needed to do so many rewrites was I'm sure that the original treatment was Leia was a huge part of the story and to remove her is like, well, you know, like whatever it was, if they're going to be doing because I don't know, I mean, again, I'm getting back to the speculation if they're going to be doing a Kylo Ren redemption arc, which I mean, it seems obvious that that's what they would do because it's Star Wars. (laughs) It's Star Wars. (laughs) They keep hinting at it. I think that's likely the direction yeah. they want to go. Also, it's like it's it's Leia's son. Like, they're, you know, I mean, like even 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 if they he he's not successful in his redemption, like like Leia's gonna want to try redeeming her son. Like, yeah, no matter a, what. On so, a side note, like that had read, to have been a huge part. Uh, the Leia book, because I yeah, it's so good and it makes me want a Kylo redemption like even more. And we all know I wanted it to. <laughs> I wanted it in the first place, but seeing where Leia came from and, like, the secrets her parents kept from her and her mindset during the whole thing, she must understand her son so much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I think it's just such, like, an obvious way to go because he's not just some random villain. Like, he's connected to one of the main all of the main characters really mm-hmm. um at least from the original you know saga um so I, I i think like she had to have been part of whatever redemption arc they were going to plan for him and now that she's not like that's a huge component that they can't use so it, it's it, I, I don't know how they're going to do it and there's no there's there's no happy way to do it because i you know removing from the story entirely while necessary sucks uh getting another actress to to play her part kind of sucks like because it's not going to be carrie fisher and and you're going to know that you're not going to have the same connection it's not you know i mean i think they they you know i mean movies do it all the times and it always bothers me when they do it and it's like it, it, it drives me crazy and it, it's and it's usually when it's it, they usually do it when it's like based on a book property and you're like well here's this character that has like this really important part in the last book but that you know this actor you know died or wasn't available or whatever happened and so we had to recast and you're like well now it's just it just doesn't feel right it doesn't it doesn't have the same connection um and it's and it, it's just different from the prequels who you're like okay well they're you know, instead of going forward, you're going backward and you have like all new actors that are younger playing characters. It's mm-hmm. it, that that kind of suspension of disbelief is easier to buy, I think. But I think when you're when you're watching it and you're so connected to watching Carrie Fisher grow up on screen from 19 years old or however old she was to, you know, however old she was is in The Last Jedi to then if you could re- replace her with like another actress that you're like well that's jarring that's weird it doesn't yeah. this doesn't so so yeah i don't i don't think there's a there's a any happy way that they can they can resolve that so it's i don't know it's i don't really i don't envy them <laughs> it's really unfortunate so but anyway i uh yeah i need to read the leia book um 
I've been behind on my reading because I'm mostly taking care of the baby. Uh, <laughs> allowed. That's allowed. I've kind of, I've kind of like got switched over. I was, I was like, I was like maybe a, like a quarter of the way through Inferno Squad. Um, I just started that today. The baby was born, and and then and then I'm like, as soon as the baby was born, I'm like, I have not picked that book up since, so I'm gonna need to buy the audiobook. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing audiobook for Inferno Squad, and I'm I'm liking it so far. Um, I'm. I was doing the audiobook for Thrawn, and I could not get into it, um, unfortunately. I've, I've heard it I, is you know, really good, I but... Yeah, I've heard it's really good. I Knowing Timothy Zahn's writing, I can't imagine that the audiobook is particularly easy to read or like mm-hmm. listen to. Um, it, it's, it's funny, because there's some books that I'm like, oh, yeah, as an audiobook, it kind of works, and... Um, you know, it's because whoever is performing it is like, oh, they're really good or it just lends itself to a voice performance. But some books are like, this should just be a book. This should just yep. be something that you read, because if you're listening to it, you're just missing certain things and and certain things like the nuance of the writing is, you know, is different how you would read it than how maybe the performer reads it. And you're like, well, that was weird. That was a weird read. Is that how mm-hmm. it was really written? Or am I, you know, is it like, was that the performance or was that the, the line that was written? Yeah. So that that's, that's, a, that's a tough balance to have. It is. It's uh, been, uh, yeah, it's been interesting. But I switched over to Inferno Squad and I, I'm quite enjoying it, at least right now. Cool. Um, but yeah, like with everything you said with episode nine, it's going to be... There's going to be a big hole in it, no matter what, and whatever Carrie's role would have been is probably going to be split between Ray and, assumingly, Luke. But you just know that the dynamic is so different between. It's like yeah, it's going to be different. I mean, it's because I mean, Ray at this. I mean, depending on what happens in episode eight, like at mm-hmm. this point, Ray hates him. Like she's not gonna, she only sees him as the, like the person that murdered everyone she knew. And, <laughs> and you know, like, uh, so I, I think they're like, I, I don't think that she's gonna have the same kind of feeling as, you know, his mother. No, <laughs> like, I do think and even, even Luke, there'll be a bigger understanding in episode eight. Oh yeah. But it definitely, there's nothing to compare like what's going on with like between a mother and a son. Um, yeah, and exactly. it would be such a I good mean, plot point would, that they just can't I do would, anymore. Cause I would love it. Like, I don't know. If, I mean, it seems like way too much to happen, but I would love it if somehow like he switches sides by the end of episode eight. Mm-hmm. So a, you get the kind of, you know, Leia Ben reunion and you get, you know, I, I don't know if redemption is the right word, but you kind of get like that com- kind of completion to that, that part of the story. The beginning and, of atonement. Also, yeah. The kind of like, yeah. And also, but also you kind of get like that status, that satisfaction to Leia's story. Yeah. But also like, I would love to see like, like a major part of the last, like an entire movie to be like, 
here is this guy who was evil and killed a bunch of people and <laughs> like turned against the Jedi and all this stuff. And now we have to somehow trust him because he says he's good again. And, and I would love to see that we for trust a full him movie. As he really good yeah. Like I'd love to see that for a whole movie because that was something that, that kind of obviously for just the, the reasons of how it worked out, what you could not get from Darth Vader. No. Cause I mean, it was, I mean, the reason, Darth, I mean, Darth Vader was redeemed because he saved his son and he sacrificed himself to do it. And so, like, you can buy Vader's redemption because he died doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that doesn't forgive his sins. Like, you know, like, he definitely did a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. But you don't really need to deal with how bad he was to his face you know, in real time, <laughs> except for maybe Luke, if he's still talking to him as a force ghost. But I I think, you know, that was and that, and that was something that was kind of like a little like funny in the old EU, whereas every once in a while, Anakin's force ghost would show up and like Leia would talk to him and be like, what the hell, dad? <laughs> um, but it was, it was, it, it was but it was always like whenever, whenever that happened, it was like really poorly written. So it's like it was never as satisfying as it could have been. But I, I, I you know, love to see like that version like that kind of redemption like that vader redemption but like then he he survives he doesn't like sacrifice himself to redeem himself he like turns good yeah so i think the like the one thing that we never got from vader really is just that like that realization of the horrors that he committed Mm-hmm. That he realizes, like, oh, I was really bad, and I tortured my daughter, and did all this horrible stuff, and like killed, you know, thousands of people, like single-handedly, <laughs> and you know, brought down, you know, the Republic and the Jedi, and this was all bad, and I did some horrible things, um, like, and dealing with the fact that he was a bad person, uh, I, I would love to be able to see that, and I think if if kylo ren gets some kind of redemption arc i think it would be great to see especially because amadon driver is such a great actor like i think it would be amazing to see like him play that like play the realism of the horror of what he's done and be like oh my god i really did all this shit Mm -hmm. and that was bad like what like you know how yeah i I mean i think i think you know like to 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 really you know you know you know again people get really upset about the whole like with the redemption of kylo ren and I, i mean and I think a, a lot of that has to do with, you know, the fact that he killed Han Solo. And that's 100% I, what it has to know, do with it. it yeah. and, and, and I'm like, you know, but, you know, Darth Vader killed, you know, children and Darth Vader killed Obi-Wan. And I think if, you know, a lot of people just don't world... recognize that parallel. Yeah. Well, and also it's it's just different because you only got to see like Anakin's backstory and his kind of turn to the dark side. Like, I mean, not that we've seen, uh, you know, Kylo Ren's turn, but we didn't get to see like everyone else who then suffered, like before we met Darth Vader, mm-hmm. he was just kind of introducing evil. And then you kind of, he killed Obi-Wan Kenobi, but we didn't only knew him for like half a movie. Like, yeah. I think if you watch, if you grew up watching the prequels first, and then you get that Vader, impact. Yeah. And then Vader kills Ben Kenobi. And you're like, oh, my God, he he did it. He killed Ben Kenobi. He's like he can't he's completely irredeemable. I think it would be the same thing mm-hmm. <laughs> as how mad people are at, at killing Han Solo. Yeah. Which is 
you know, which is like, I hate him for that. And I think he needs to, you know, you know, pay and suffer for it. But I think it, there is an interesting way to do that without just, oh, he needs to die. Oh, um, definitely. And, and, and to kind of wrap it up, I, I'm going to bring in my um, Legends example, which was um, a very similar thing. I think we've talked about this, but basically a very, very similar thing happened with Jason Solo. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it Jason was Han and Leia's son and he turned to the dark side and he killed, uh, you know, a bunch of Jedi. He killed Mara Jade, who was Luke's wife. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he was irredeemable. Like he was not he was not redeemable. And I don't I, I it's it's been a while, but I don't think they ever tried to redeem him. Basically, like his sister just killed him at the end. Uh, Jaina just kind of went and killed him and it was like, and he was irredeemable. And at a, you know, and, and at a certain point it was like early on in the EU, Luke was like, you know, anybody can be redeemed from being bad. I mean, like, you know, there were characters that turned evil all the, t- like every other, you know, legends book at a certain point yeah, was Luke's losing oh, well, a Padawan another every one, week. like another one of Luke's apprentices has turned to the dark side and he's going to try and turn him back. And, you know, like sometimes they, sometimes they were successful and sometimes they weren't. But then once it got to the, once it got to the point where it was like, well, Han and Leia's son turned to the dark side and you're going to say that he's irredeemable like that, like when all these other go- like apprentices before you, you know, like you've said, you know, any, you know, there's still good in them and stuff. Yeah. Like I, 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 I want to see how Luke reacts to that. And like, I, and, and that being said, like, I'm totally down with like the movie starting and Luke being like, no, Kylo's irredeemable. And then he has to come around to, Oh wait, no, this is Leia's son. We should try to do something about saving him. Yeah. It's <laughs> but, a complexity. But, they really haven't had time to explore before. Cause like you said, with Vader, it was so last minute. So I would love to be able to see, a couple hours where he really has to atone and deal with it. And yeah, like what what you're talking about, Adam's such a great actor. I want to see him play that. Yeah. And I, and I think he would be great to play it. And, and I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be redeemed. I mean, he could end up like, you know, they try to redeem him. He's like, no, I reject this. And that's an interesting way to go as well. But I want to see that as a possibility. Mm hmm. But but I think it would be really interesting to see him basically struggle with being good again and being like, am I good? I did a whole bunch of horrible, horrible things. Maybe I can't turn back. I don't know. And he tr- he struggles with being good for like an entire movie. Yeah. I think that would be that would be an interesting way to go, that's, uh, especially that's after ideal. Yeah, especially considering the parallel with like Legends, which always kind of piss me off. <laughs> so um, yeah. but uh and uh oh and the, and the other thing that was uh it's gonna be uh, a december movie again which i'm very oh, excited yeah. for me too i'm i'm surprised they didn't announce it as december in the first place because i had they announced the date or they just they just knew that it was gonna be 2019 um they had said may originally yeah because the han solo movie is in may right yeah so it was like a year year directly after han solo and people were yeah. like really that seems quick but yeah. understandably, well, it's, they yeah, it c- back. considering that it's been two years between the movies, it's and this is the other thing is like the other star, all the other Star Wars movies, there's been three years between them. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, even the, the prequels, I mean, 
you could say like, yeah, in the original trilogy era, it because of the amount of effects it takes, it took a long time to do it. And they didn't know they were doing sequels until the first one was successful. So mm-hmm. it's not like he was like planning on making the, the, the Empire Strikes Back right away. So it took time. But like with the prequels, like he, he knew that he was doing like a trilogy to begin with, but he still took his time to be like, OK, we're going to make one movie and then we're going to develop and make the next movie. And so yeah. like there was like a year long development process before they went into production. And now I feel like they're just going into production like one after the other. And it's pretty intense. It, yeah, I'm afraid they're going to get burnt out. Luckily, so far, so good. But there are two movies into a at least six movies that they're making yeah. yearly. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's why I'm really interested to see what the next um, uh, what the next standalone movie is. Yeah. Uh, just because I, I, I really like that that Rogue One was the first one because it was just like, this is about characters that we don't know, you mm-hmm. know, yet. These are... I mean, yeah, it's about, like, the Death Star, but it was like, here's this story that we really haven't heard told, and here are all these characters that we don't know. Uh, so, Han Solo movie, I'm like, uh, all right, it could be fun. We'll see. And, uh, like, I, I think just because, like, we, uh, we've, you know, we've spent so much time with Han Solo, I'm like, I kind of want to see somebody different. Like, I, I mean, that's my, conf- con- you know, conflicting feelings with the, you know, a Kenobi movie, which... I guess was rumored for about a week there, but I don't know if it's really true. Lucasfilm never but, confirmed uh, it, so until Lucasfilm yeah, so says it's, probably, it's happening, I'm it's like, probably, ah, it's not. Yeah, it's probably like in the works somewhere. Like, I think they want to do one, but I'm, I, I think they probably want to get all the pieces together. They want to get like the writer and director on board and make sure they sign Ewan McGregor before they make any kind of announcement. Because without Ewan McGregor, it's pointless making that movie. Yeah, um, totally but that, pointless. But like, but but that but that's but that's like. 100% why I want to see a Kenobi movie is see you mm-hmm. and McGregor as Obi-Wan again and see him like kind of like getting toward the Alec Guinness Ben Kenobi Same like here. I want to that's see that the, movie that's the reason just, I want just, to see it like that's the reason I want to see it like I don't want like I, I think you, we could I could go the rest of my life without seeing a Kenobi movie like it's fine but like mm-hmm. the opportunity of having like you and McGregor return as Obi-Wan Kenobi like I feel like this is like too good to pass up mm-hmm. like that's that's my that's my and that's I feel my like that's why they're on, making it or like thinking yeah. about it yeah, whereas like Han, the Han Solo movie, I'm like, oh, well, like you have to like cast all these other two people to, to like Han Solo. I'm like, I don't know how like great it is though. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, in theory, I'm like, oh, if they're doing like Ocean's Eleven in space, with, you know, like Lando and Han and Chewie, mm-hmm. I'm like, that could be fun. Like that could that could be a cool movie, but it's it still doesn't like excite me. No. The way that like like you and McGregor returns is. Kenobi would. Yeah, there's a lot of potential uh, in the Han Solo movie. Solomo, oh my god, this echo. There's a lot of potential in the Han Solo movie, but it, it just hasn't caught my interest at all. Yeah, and that's why people, when, when they kind of talk about like a Boba Fett movie, and I'm like, I don't really care about Boba Fett. No, neither but, but if there's like a Bounty Hunters movie, and it's like, you know, an ensemble of Bounty Hunters, and Boba Fett could is be a one much of them, movie. I'm like, that could be that could be really cool. Like that'd be a cool way to do that. It's it's like it's, it's like it's you know it's not that I'm just like against like Boba Fett. I'm just sort of like as like a as like a central character standalone. I'm like kind of like eh, you know like I feel like we've got like we've gotten his origin story in mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones. Like we got a lot of him in in the Clone Wars. Like we we haven't seen him. Like, well, I guess that episode was kind of cut. With the oh, the pets are doing going crazy now. <laughs> um, 
but like with like the the uh the episode that was never finished but the the cad bane boba fett episode oh, yeah. where you know boba fett becomes boba fett i think i feel like to me like that's the boba fett movie like i don't know yeah. how, how you do another boba fett movie besides that. that i agree yeah with you. so but i mean I, I mean i'd love to see like a movie about like other things that we haven't seen like i want to like I want, you know, th- I mean, people keep talking about it, and I've talked about it. But like, I mean, I don't know, even know like who just started the idea of it, but it was just like just random fans online being like, I want to see a movie about Padme's handmaidens. Like, I, I want to like that. I'm like, I want to see a movie about like what happens to Padme's handmaidens after Padme dies. Like, mm-hmm. do they like go like Ronin? Do they like you know keep still? Do they still work for the Empire? Do they still work for like the government of Naboo? Do they like go their separate ways? Do they decide like, oh, let's like find out what ha- the mystery of what happened to Padme and like they so they uncover what happened and they try to like, you know, like take down Palpatine somehow. I mean, like, like I think there's like a million cool possibilities really you can cool get out of that. And and you bring back like Rose Byrne and Kira Knightley, who are like big stars now. Yeah, and especially <laughs> you know? if you have it take place afterwards, like their ages yeah. would be fine. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, you just have like Kira Knightley, like big star, like, you know, coming back as that character and like, oh, there we go. Like, I think I think you could sell that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So but, I, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see more like, you know, stories about other characters besides like the main cast, I think yeah. is what I want out of, out of my standalone movies. Like, you know, if uh, if they do a standalone movie that's like lost stars like not that story but just kind of like oh characters that are tangential to the story that are that are doing things that like, are just separate that, that's what i'd love yeah, yeah me too. exactly so yeah let's uh let's hope for some good things in the future i think uh yeah overall i'm very pleased with like the decisions lucasfilm has made honestly they've had to make some really tough decisions and I'm glad that they're fixing it and owning up to whoops we we made a bad mistake even though we know that firing a director this late in the game looks bad we want to make a good yeah. movie. So, well, it's also better to fi- honestly it's better to fire the director before he's started production than it yeah. is when they're already halfway through production. I, I think I think the the uh, you know like the Han Solo movie stuff is probably seems worse in comparison. Like, this just seems like, oh, well, this was, like, almost off the ground. I mean, it, honestly, like, you know, episode, like, Trevorrow was on, Trevorrow, Trevorrow, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he was on this movie for way less amount of time than Edgar Wright was on Ant-Man. Yeah. Like, Edgar Wright was on Ant-Man for, like, 10 years developing that movie, and then they then they fired oh him. Oh, my and, God, and, I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, it, it was because Ant-Man was supposed to come out before Iron Man. Like That's that was insane. they were developing that one first. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like as far as like directors that are in in development, making a movie for a big franchise and it, and it falling through is like kind of par for the course. Mm-hmm. So it's not to me, it, it's not that big a deal. It's more of when it gets later in the game and then they're kind of reshooting and patching things up and it's not really kind of coming together that I think we need to worry. But but I, I have I have faith in what. Kevin Kennedy is doing and the and the, I'll say the rest of the franchise is doing great too I mean you know Rebels is great and you know the all the the the, the books and you know ancillary stories are, are are great I mean like not all of them are amazing but I think they're they're uh, most of the ones that I've read are, are pretty good so yeah 
so I, I think they kind of they've they've got it down as to what they're doing and i i think people are way too easy to kind of jump on the hate bandwagon and being like disney is make messing things up and you know until they mess you know, up i i have faith in what they're doing they're they have good quality control and have produced nothing but things that i like yeah so yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 excited to see what happens, and uh, yeah, we'll 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 see how it goes. I mean, I mean, and honestly, like I'm I don't I mean, I don't really need to know what's going on behind the scenes, really. I mean, like I like to know like who's in the movie and who's like creating it, but other than that, I don't really need to be like privy to like all the details. Like yeah. I've, <laughs> I've I've been in production, I've been around long. I'm like I don't need to know all the details of production. Just like tell me that later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, thank you so much, Peter, for joining us on Who Talks First, and this is uh, your first Thanks guest for spot me. on our show. I've been, yeah. I've gotten to be on your podcast uh, a couple times, so uh, be sure to check out uh, Peter's podcast. It is on a little bit of a hiatus for good reason. Yeah, yeah, check it out. At uh, you can. Find me on Twitter uh, at, at Zero Days SW. Um, it's basically like Zero Days Pop Culture most places, um, but you can look it up on iTunes. Um, we're on uh, uh, Podbean. We're pretty much pretty much everywhere. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, Zero Days without a Star Wars reference, and and uh, it's uh, partially Star Wars, but mostly just pop. Just analyzing stories uh, through pop culture is basically the the gist of the podcast. So hopefully, show. I'll be I'll be back up. Uh, uh, and creating more episodes now. I still I, I have a lot of extra um, recording from like our last couple of records. So I, I think I'll put together another uh, clip episode before I get around to recording <laughs> one <do>. again. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Thank you for listening to uh, Who Talks First. Be sure to comment down if you're listening on YouTube or uh, leave us a review on iTunes. I'm CT. Thanks again.